fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 13 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I am your host and fellow Metallica fan, my name is Brandon. Now this is not just another episode. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the long-anticipated, much-hyped, one-year anniversary show! Shout out to Death Clock for that rendition of Birthday Death Day, which they performed just for me. Definitely did not get that online. They performed it live in studio for me, for Metallicast, for this special epic one-year anniversary show. So huge shout out to those guys. And, you know, I have so much to get to in this episode. I have emails voice messages, year-end lists, where should I start? Hmm, how about with a little backstory of how Metallicast got to where we are today? Sounds to me like we need to go have some story time. Once upon a time, there lived a young boy named Brandon. A long time ago, Brandon had recorded several podcasts for the website fansnotexperts.com, run by his disappointing cousin, Mike. These included podcasts about professional wrestling and even his all-time favorite childhood TV show, Boy Meets World. But many of these podcasts never lasted, because despite small followings, began to feel like work for poor Brandon. For a couple years, Brandon had a thought of doing a podcast about his all-time favorite band, Metallica, thinking maybe he would enjoy doing that. But alas, he never acted upon this thought. At least not until the fall of 2017. Not aware of already superior Metallica podcasts that were in existence, he naively texts his cousin Mike with the brilliant idea of starting one called 
Metalcast. So finally, in the fall of 2017, Mike created a logo, and Brandon created a Twitter, at MetallicastPod. It was at this point that Brandon realized he was not alone in the Metallica podcast world, and said to himself, what can I do different? The whole world waited in extreme anticipation for this answer, until one day, December 26, 2017. On this fateful day, Brandon decided to finally record episode one of the show. Now, on past podcasts Brandon had recorded, he had done the recording and then sent it off to his cousin Mike for editing and producing, but Brandon made a last-minute decision to make this podcast uniquely his own and decided to edit and produce the final product himself. Mike, at this point, became completely useless to Brandon's life, other than actually releasing the episodes to the world. When episode one was released, Brandon wondered how people would react and if anybody would listen. It did not take long before Metallicast became unlike any other podcast Brandon had previously recorded. It soon became his true passion project. And to his immense surprise, people were actually listening and had positive things to say. Metallicast was even accepted by the other Metallica podcasts and thus Brandon felt warm and fuzzy inside. Once people started listening... Brandon dreamt of the day where maybe he had 50 subscribers and a couple hundred downloads. Maybe he could even have over 100 Twitter followers. Needless to say, Brandon set the bar low. But fortunately, so did many people listening to the podcast, as the audience continued to grow. And now, while the numbers may not compare to other shows out there, <coughs> mail up your podcast, <coughs> the subscriptions, downloads, and social media numbers have completely surprised Brandon and his cousin Mike, who despite making a lot more podcasts than Brandon, and despite creating these podcasts for a much, much longer period of time, his podcast had never come anywhere close to the success of his, making Brandon the overachieving, handsome, genius cousin. And now, one year later, Metallicast can brag about over 1,100 likes and follows on Facebook, over 800 followers on Twitter, and over 400 followers on Instagram. Mike cries every time he sends the latest data to Brandon, which to date is hundreds of subscriptions and thousands of downloads. Again, while these numbers are small compared to actually successful podcasts, they are far superior than his original goal. And there is nobody to thank for that other than all of you out there in Metallica podcast land, especially the ones who are proud supporting members of what has come to be known as the Metallica Militia. So with that said... Brandon would like to say two words to all of you. Thank you. The underneath the big umbrella gathered all around. Romantic weddings in spring where love and sunlight shine. It's a special place. It's a happy face of a beaver story time. What a great story that was. But in all seriousness, thank you to everybody who has followed on social media download an episode, hit the subscription button, left a positive review on, on iTunes, or shared the podcast with a fellow fan. This is my small DIY passion project that I do with cheap equipment all by myself in the basement of my home. I consider my year one the word of mouth don't like to leather phase of my podcast career, and now in year two, I have recruited a genius bass player, fired our lead guitarist, and I am ready to finally sign a record deal and make the debut album that will change the world forever. As I never stop, I never quit, I am Metallicast. 
and so are all of you, and we shall not stop until we have world domination. I want to apologize ahead of time to my podcast brothers at the other Metallica shows for we, the Metallicast militia, will hit the lights and attack in the dark. And as the horsemen seek and destroy, we will show no remorse. We will not use anesthesia. We will cause whiplash. And the pain will be so intense you will want to escape it any way possible. Even that means jumping into a fire. Nobody will hear you scream before you take your final motor breath. You are the Metallicast militia. I am the Phantom Lord and a goddamn podcast professional. Now, as much as I like shitting on my cousin Mike, who runs fansnotexperts.com, and is the host of several podcasts, including Maiden Fan Podcasts and Hair Metal Lab, he does a lot for the show, so in my first and last moment of sincerity towards him, thanks, Mike. But enough about me. I want this podcast, and I wanted it to be this from the start, a way for me to connect with other Metallica fans. I was hoping to interview a few for this episode, but our schedules just did not work out. Hopefully they will work out in 2019, in year two. But despite that, I got emails, voice messages, so I'm hoping this will be a fun, interactive show for us all. And since I've already mentioned Mike a bunch of times, I've already shat on him. Let's hear what Mike has to say when he called into the Metalcast hotline. 203-548-0609, by the way, if you're interested in doing the same on a future show. Hello, dickhead. It's your cousin, and the only reason you have a podcast in the first place. Actual congratulations to your actual podcast. Definitely the most successful thing we have going on, fansnotexperts.com. People, there's an Iron Maiden podcast. There's a, 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 a Mad Men podcast on there. We do a wrestling podcast. There's all kinds of podcasts. Go to fansnotexperts.com and subscribe to everything else. And Metallicast, too. Brandon... I love you. Merry Christmas. I'm going to see Aquaman now. <laughs> I hate him and love him. Thanks, Mike, for calling into the show. Hope that you liked Aquaman. Um, how about you stay home instead and watch Metallica, some kind of monster, or Metallica through the never both of which I think are still on Netflix. Um, let's hear from a couple other people who left messages on the Metallicast hotline. This being from a person named Bruce. Hello, Brandon. This is Bruce Dickinson. I fly planes. I write books. I fence. I dance. I sing. And we don't fucking tune down. What has your band got? Oh, you've got a year with a podcast? Well, guess what? We've got a fan podcast of our own. And they're going to take over the world. Scream for me! Holy shit. Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden called into Metallicast? I mean, I saw that a Bruce left a message, but I had no clue it was that fucking Bruce. Holy shit, my mind is blown right now. I mean, I'm not sure why he has to call in and talk trash about Metallica and brag about his accomplishments. We know how successful Iron Maiden is, but we also know how much more successful Metallica is. I mean, Mike and I had a whole two-part debate about which band was better, and we all agreed in the end that Metallica was the better band. But, you know what? what? Whatever. I mean, so cool of him to call in. I am an Iron Maiden fan, despite uh, me giving them a hard time from time to time. Time, 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 time to time. Um, but anyways, let's hear from a couple 
other people who called in and left messages. This one is from, whoa, this is from an Aussie. Do you think it could possibly be the Aussie? Hello, buddy. This is Aussie Osborne. What's a podcast? Holy shit. My mind is fucking blown right now. Bruce Dixon from Iron Maiden and Ozzy Osbourne called into the show. Who else is going to call and leave a message? Let's do one more for now. Um, did not catch a name. Uh, all I know is that this caller is from Germany. Und Brandon, this un Ramstein guy, scary man, German. Congratulations. Bruce Dickinson, Ozzy Osbourne, and now the guy from Ramstein. Holy cow. I mean, who knows who else we're going to hear from in this epic one-year anniversary show. But we'll get to the rest of the messages a little bit later. Right now, it's time for our first year-end list. My top five favorite Metallica moments of 2018. All right, time for my top five favorite Metallica moments of 2018. At number five, The Alcohol, Blackened Whiskey and Internight Pilsner entered the world. I got to be honest with you. This is sort of blasphemy that I put this on my list because I have not yet tried either one, which is blasphemous in and of itself being the massive Metallica and alcohol fan that I am, especially beer lover. But the reason I put this on my list at number five is because it is one of the bigger Metallica stories from the year, Black into Whiskey. I love the story behind how the whiskey is made. I love how it's being marketed. Metallica is taking a completely different approach than any other band out there who has their own alcohol. Because buying whiskey is being advertised as an American whiskey, not a Metallica whiskey. And I have seen advertisements all over the place, especially in New York City, on top of cabs. I put a picture of a New York City cab with the Blackened Whiskey ad on top on my Instagram, at MetallicaSpod. I just love the whole process. And as a beer lover... I am super excited about trying the Internet Pilsner. Every time I go into a local liquor store, I look for both the Black and the Whiskey and the Internet. And I'm hoping in 2019, both will make their way to my local liquor store and I'll be able to finally sample both, even though I'm not a big whiskey guy. But perhaps that will change. At number four, I have the Polar Music Prize. This was a very prestigious award that Metallica won. And while Metallica did not perform themselves at the award show, I was able to watch uh, the cover versions that happened at the award ceremony. And I thought it was very, I thought they were all very cleverly done. A lot of cool interpretations. Not all metal. In fact, only one of the interpretations was metal. And that was the Inter Sandman cover sung by Tobias Forge from Ghost. Um, so if you've not checked out the music from the Polar Music Prize, do yourself a favor. Go to YouTube and 
check it out because a lot of cool interpretations. I played one of them on an episode earlier this year. I believe it was the No Leaf Clover cover, which was cool. At number three, I have sort of a more general one, but just all the charitable contributions Metallica's made through their All Within My Hands Foundation. A lot of celebrities, a lot of bands do good things, but again, Metallica does things just a little bit differently and a little bit bigger, probably because they have the resources to do it, which not every celebrity or band has. Um, But, you know, starting their own charitable foundation and like every show on the World Wire Tour, making like $10,000 donations, they just had the story come out about them donating $1 million for grants across community colleges um, in America, just fantastic stuff. And it makes me really proud to be a Metallica fan. And tying in with that, number two is the Helping Hands All the My Hands concert that they did at the Masonic in San Francisco just a couple months ago. Listening to the recordings makes me super jealous I was not there in person. Love, even though a lot of the covers um, and originals were, uh, had been done previously at, you know, Bridge School Benefits or whatever. It was really cool to have a longer acoustic set. I love that Bleeding Me made its way into the set again. Love the acoustic version of Bleeding Me. If you've not checked it out, again, do yourself a favor. Go online. Look it up. Um, There is a vinyl coming out in February uh, with proceeds going to the charity. But you can also purchase uh, a CD or MP3 or all that jazz through the live Metallica content on their website, which is what I did, and I've been listening to it nonstop. And then finally, last but not least, number one, I mentioned the World Wide Tour before, seeing Metallica again live in concert. For me, it was in Albany, New York. I did a mini episode back in the game November to talk about my experience. Nothing beats seeing Metallica live. That is just a fact. Now, I got this really cool email. If you want to email the show, do so, metallicast at fansnotexperts.com. This is an email from Tiffany Cavazos. Hopefully, I'm not mispronouncing your last name, Tiffany. Sorry if I am. It is spelled C-A-V-A-Z-O-S. She saw on the Metallica forum that I was reaching out for fan interaction for this here one-year anniversary show. She sent me an email. I'm going to read it. It's a lengthy email, but her story is unbelievable. Um, Definitely beats any of my Metallica stories from 2018. So here it is. Here's the story I retold on Metallica forums the day after my adventure about how his randomly picked to be on stage during Metallica's full All Within My Hand set. Tiffany? Yeah? Just the two of you? Yes? Okay, follow me. The day started off simple enough. On vacation in San Francisco, my friend Leslie and her husband had come up from SoCal to join my boyfriend and I for a weekend to watch Metallica. This would be Leslie and her husband's first Metallica show. Her and I have known each other for 11 years now. Every trip together had always been a great adventure. Whether it was concerts, theme parks, to wandering a foreign country, us four have become great friends. To our next adventure is how we say farewell after each whirlwind trip. When they arrived in San Francisco, she said she had a gift for me. It was never a surprise we had 
Sorry, it was never a surprise we each had gifts for each other. It's what friends do. But knowing Black and Whiskey couldn't ship to Hawaii, she bought me a bottle and timed it just right to bring it for us to enjoy. It truly was a great surprise and gift. Yet the day she gave it to me, we had all just learned of Dave Pickerel's passing. Mr. Pickerel, along with Metallic, put together a whiskey like no other. It was bittersweet enjoying a toast in Dave's honor in the wake of his passing and on the heels of a Metallica show. If only I knew all these unique moments would lead to an unforgettable concert in all the 20 years I've been attending shows. The day of the show, as well as the night before, was spent meeting up with the MFF, as we road warriors do. I brought Leslie and her husband into the MFF fold, and as always, the MFF accepted them with open arms. I also met up with my good friend, Mr. Ray Burden. He and I chatted over a few Anchor Steam beers. He is the best. We talked about what we've been up to since we last spoke, which was roughly a month prior. He was really animated that night, mentioning his workout regimen while casually recalling how he saw Ella Fitzgerald the Masonic. What? After dinner with him, we went to the Masonic. Leslie and her husband singing nothing but praise about Mr. Burden and his family the entire way, as well as the other MFF they had met. Once at the venue, tickets in hands, we looked at the auction items while I passed out goodies from our chapter, Ride the Wave. We also bought the Internight Beers. Opinion? A little hoppy for pills, but it's a stone collab, so that's a given. Overall, I would def drink this beer on the regular. I was able to see more MFF and chat about Setless Hopes. When it was time to head to our seats, the guys were in Balcony 2 and Leslie and I were in Balcony 1. The guys asked if we wanted to switch, so we did. Trading tickets in the process. We had a previous adventure with this in Madonna concert. Fists were almost involved, but that's a story for another time. In our new seats in Balcony 2, we saw the opening videos. It was a moment where I couldn't be more proud to be a Metallica fan. The donations, the volunteer times, all of us coming together for something bigger than ourselves made it feel so epic. And to see Metallica giving back so much, inspiring all of us to do more, was a moment we should all be proud to say we're a part of this family. The Metallica family. Cage the Elephant stepped up at this show. I had a newfound appreciation for them. The energy and style was definitely amazing. I saw plenty of people grooving in their seats, which felt weird. My first seated Metallica performance. As their set went on, so did the auction. CTE finished a great show, and those nerves started to roll in. You know the ones, the buzz of Metallica coming to the stage. But there was no long way or ecstasy playing, so the waiting was even more intense. Then a man stood in front of me. Tiffany? Leslie and I followed him down a set of stairs, and I'm starting to realize this was not how we got in. We were following him so closely. Leslie kept saying she was going to trip. I was trying to text and call my boyfriend, but my calls kept dropping. We truly were in a deep level of the building. Here, put these on. He hands us each a blue laminate with the show's artwork and a Metallica M hologram on it. We get to an area where ladies are offering us food. I kept turning around to Leslie. I have no idea what's happening. Wait here. I have to find your escort. It'll be about 10 minutes. By the way, those passes get you food and drinks. I'll be right back. In the 10 minutes we waited, Leslie and I booked it to the bathroom, called our guys to inform them something was going on, but not to worry. We also joked, wouldn't it be crazy if they gave us a, co- uh, a couch near the front? At this time I found out I lost my bid, but Leslie won hers. Maleficent poster. For her daughter. Sweet. Fun times. Okay, ready? Follow me. We walk through a black curtain. We're by tables on the floor. What? We walk past them and toward the front couches. What? We walk past them off to the side and through another black curtain. Back stage. 
What? We walk past Metallica's road gear boxes and through yet another black curtain on stage. What? At this point, I fumbled for my phone to record a video. This mystery man walking ahead of me telling me to not trip on wires. We're walking behind Lars's drum set. I want to faint. I'm cursing in disbelief under my breath. Leslie is whispering behind me, oh my god. Here you go. Worth the trip from Hawaii. We are shown to a couch on the fucking stage. I am fighting the urge to not faint, vomit, hyperventilate, scream, or freeze up all at the same time. Here you go. Worth the trip from Hawaii? Yeah. Holy fuck. All right. Cool. Leslie and I keep whispering curses. What the shit? What the fuck? I don't know what's happening. How? What the fuck? In a blur, a man brings us show guitar picks. That's when we notice there's a plate of chocolates and a bucket of ice with various fancy waters in it. I can see the glorious set list. My phone goes nuts. All the MFF texts me asking how I got on stage. I don't even know. Pictures of me on stage are being texted me. The Met Club forum members are posting. Is that Metallitif on stage? Yes, yes, yes. Metallica's on the stage. I am behind Kirky. Smiles at us and they rip into disposable heroes. I can't sing because there's a lump in my throat and I fear I would hyperventilate. Leslie was so in shock she didn't move. Everything faded and there we were. On stage. With Metallica. I still don't know why I was chosen, how I was chosen, or who chose me. All I know is that I'll be eternally grateful for being allowed the chance to sit on stage with my favorite band. Tiffany received not only a seat on the couch at all with my hands, but a signed bottle by the band and Dave Pickrell of Blackened Whiskey. Tiffany, what an amazing story. Like I said, this beats any of my Metallica stories from the year, or perhaps from any year. Uh, thank you for the nice e- email. She sent tons of pictures with the email from her experience. Truly amazing. Super jealous. Tiffany, my goal in 2019 is to somehow, some way, beat your Metallica story. Do I think it will happen? No, but God damn it, I'm going to try. Now... Let's hear from a few more people who left voice messages on the Metallicast hotline. Hey, Brandon, this is Chad Kroger from uh, Nickelback, and um, I'm banging Avril Lavigne. I don't know what the relevance is, but I thought I'd let you know, and congratulations on your Metallicast first year. Hi, Brandon. This is the guy from Hoobastank. I just want to say congratulations on your first year of podcasting, and I can't wait to hear about your Hoobastank-centric episode that I know is coming, because, you know, Hoobastank. Hey, Brandon, this is Ryder Strong. I just want to say congratulations on your first year of Metallicast, but where the fuck is Man Meets World? You know, Maitland Ward is basically a porn star now. You could at least do one episode on that. Jesus Christ. Oh, let's hear about uh, fucking Lars Ulrich again. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Great. What's he ever did for me? <laughs> wow. First, Bruce Dickinson. Then Ozzy Osbourne. Then the guy from Ramsey. Now, the metal legends continue. Chad Kroger from Nickelback. The guy from Hoobastank. Jeez Louise. But all that fails in comparison to one of my childhood heroes calling into Metallicast, Mr. Ryder Strong, best known as Sean Hunter from my favorite childhood TV show, Boy Meets World. 
he was referencing Man Meets World, the BMW podcast I used to do back in the day for fansonexperts.com. Sorry, Ryder, I've moved on. I'm focusing on more important things like Metallicast. But thanks for calling in. And perhaps one day, someday, Man Meets World will return. But probably not. Now, I want to play a message that Rye from Sabbath Bloody Podcast was kind enough to leave. This dude went above and beyond. And just thank you, Rye. I know that your time is limited between work, family, and your own awesome, amazing podcast. But I appreciate you taking the time to leave this message for us in the Metallicast Militia. Here is Rye. Hey, what's going on? This is Rye from Sabbath Bloody Podcast. And apparently it's your anniversary, your one year over at Metallicast. I'd just like to thank you and all the Metallica podcast, really. The big four. I love you, all of you. I want to give a big thanks for a great year of content from you guys. The dedication you have to the music of Metallica seems to have no bounds. Well, Tom is the only one who talks about Lulu, but outside of that, you guys are doing a great service for the listeners like myself to get our Metallifix mainline to us. So thank you for that. And cheers to a new year. 2019. It's going to be all Lulu, right? <laughs> Across all feeds. Okay, so I wanted to dive into the Metallica potting game myself here, since Brandon was kind enough to open his feed to the listeners here for his anniversary show. I figured I'd do something that I did on my show, Sabbath Bloody Podcast, when I closed out the Aussie era, the 70s. What I did was I selected 13 offerings from the 70s, 13 being the lucky number, of course, for those who dabble in doom and metal. And I also noticed that if you count up Metallica's studio offerings, there's 10 of them there, and then you throw in Garage Inc., S&M, and the slot for all the uh, B-sides and covers that they've done over the years that haven't appeared on albums, you have a lovely 13 yourself there. So here are my selects, my current favorite cuts from each album or grouping. And this is changing daily, thanks in part to you guys and how much you talk about Metallica. Every day I'm shuffling my top 13 here. I thought I'd throw them out there as they are right now. So let's do this. Oh, and send your favorites into Brandon. I'm sure he'd love to hear them do a little back and forth with you. I'd love to hear his selections too, so. Okay, here we go. Kill them all first. Here we go! Kicking it off with no remorse. Okay, so Kill Em All isn't my favorite album. It ranks pretty low for me, actually. But I mean, it's the beginning of something amazing, right? So I do crank it from time to time. And for the longest time, like most people out there, I'm sure, my favorite cut from Kill Em All was Four Horsemen. I mean, it's the most dynamic track on there. And it still might be my fave. But recently, I was re-watching the Cliff Em All DVD and the really early live performance of No Remorse on that. <laughs> fucking just reminded me how fucking cool this song is. Great deep cut. 
And yeah, it's a banger. <laughs> like I said, not the biggest Kill 'em All fan these days, as you'll see. We've kind of grown apart over the years. My thrash days are well behind me. I'm kind of into the Black Album, onto Garage Inc. That's my wheelhouse right there. But there are times that I sink into metal mode and I only play the four albums, like the rest of you trues. So don't lynch me when I start talking about how much more I like Bleeding Me than, say, Phantom Lord or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, let's go to the next one here. So this one has to be in here. As a bass player, I'm sure Brandon knows what I'm talking about. He's a bass player too. When you play this with a band, you feel like you're the fucking lead, cranking out that wah-soaked lead while the guitarist just hangs for you. <laughs> it's like the closest you'll feel to being Kirk if you're a bassist. And the way Cliff starts this descending riff here, the dum 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 That feels so cool to play with a band. And then they all join in with you. I'm telling you, buy a bass, learn this song, put an ad in the fucking recycler or whatever, (laughs) get some others to learn the song, jam it in a basement, and you won't regret it. It'll be one of the greatest experiences of your life, even if you never play the bass again after that. Anyway, moving on. to the album that I could pick fucking any track from but currently this is my favorite right now Disposable Heroes fucking killer thrash song I especially love the way that Cliff comes in here such a simple clunky way to come in but fucking cool and that's what I love about Cliff Burton I mean sure he's known for his skill on bass and how he's like a fucking Hendrix of bass players getting all melodic and shit. But he also keeps it heavy and simple when it needs to be. Like, look at Leper Messiah, too. Great fucking bass under that. You know the dun-dun, 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 boom-dun-dun. Yeah. Okay, so enough about bass. Let's go to the next offering, which is, of course, Sans Bass. From Injustice for All, possibly my favorite all-time song. This is Harvester Sorrow. doesn't love Harvey. Everything about this track, Lars's drumming in particular, is amazing. It's an ominous track with that low kind of droning chant behind the main riff when the drums kick in. Fucking chills, man. Not to mention the famous dramatic pause after that killer riff. This is one of my favorite riffs of all time. Here.
And slipping into my favorite record here, the masterpiece that is the Black Album. Okay, so maybe Harvester Sorrow is my second favorite song because My Friend of Misery is fucking gold. Owns all. I mean, the bridge here, this just gives me chills. I need to play this live more often, actually. to the wheelhouse here load and reload that's me this was the lineup and the vibes that i latched on to at the beginning so although i see why like the more metal-minded people who would be just locked into the first four albums these next offerings load and reload are leaps and bounds above the rest as far as lyrics and like mood and songs it's fucking great songwriting and it grooves like all hell it's a lot a lot of sabbath in there actually There's just so much rich material on Load and Reload to lock into. It's a goddamn shame that some people don't give it the time of day. But they should. And if Bleeding Me isn't getting you into things, the next one here on Reload might fix that. Get it? Oh, terrible segue. But an amazing song. The closer from Reload. Fix it. I love Metallica. <laughs> Have I mentioned that? So next, we're going into Garage Inc., my first Metallica offering that I got on release day. And I love so many songs from this double album. I played the shit out of it on my Disman. But this is a terrific one that always blows my mind. And I could have easily picked Cybercadabra, given my history. But in that same vein, here's one that always blows my mind. A POC cover, Astronomy. classic rock cat i like my sabbath i like my deep purple my thin lizzie blue oyster cult is right in that wheelhouse they actually toured with sabbath quite a bit in the 80s in the early Dio years which i'll be getting to in my show in the new year but let's move on to some s&m 
So the two new ones that were released with the amazing S&M package are two of my favorite Metallica cuts. They're so fucking cool. It makes me wonder what kind of amazing record they could have put out at that time with Jason when he was still in the fold, if they had to kind of got their shit together. But, you know, little James had to look after his drinky poo and all that crap, and they had to do Saint Poo Poo. <laughs> but this trilogy, the track of Minus Human, No Leaf Clover, and I Disappear, that's all we got, but that might have been all we need, though, because I can just listen to those three songs on repeat. I disappear to a lesser extent, but I love that song. Those three tracks just remind me of that excitement of when I first became a Metallica fan, because I just wanted something new, and these little nuggets were coming out. It's great. Okay. All right, let's burn through this one. <laughs> okay, it has to be done, right? Well, I, like many, just don't get on board with the vibes and insane anger. It's so blunt. There's no songwriting, really. It's just straight-ahead emotion coming out. And that's cool. The guys had a lot of shit to deal with, and it's cool that they were able to kind of filter it out. But as far as a record that I would constantly put on, give me load and reload over that. There's so much more to find in those songs. But the unnamed feeling, it just works. And it's almost worth that entire dog shit album to just get this one diamond in the rough, for me anyway. Powerful song. Death Magnetic. This is... Uh, it's... Uh, well, St. Anger's the worst, but then Death Magnetic is down there with me, too. I do not like the way that this album sounds like they're trying to recapture something a little too much. It's that whole Rick Rubin thing. The same thing happened with 13. Like I know his 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 jam is to be a fan and kind of tell them to get back to their roots or whatever, but I like bands to progress. I don't need to hear fucking 40-something-year-old guys trying to play thrash. And that's what it feels like here. It's like they do the same approach that they did on Justice where they kind of make a ton of riffs and then stick them together. But they stick them together in a way that just it seems unfinished. Whereas Justice, I mean, had a focus. Anyway... I have given this album a couple more listens, and I do like some of the tracks on here. And I do like the vibes of this one here, The Day That Never Comes. Before we get to Hardwired here, there's a whole slew of other songs that are out there that aren't really on albums or on bonus discs from albums. So. The next two are actually from Hardwired Era, I guess, because they're on the bonus disc. One of my favorite bands of all time is Deep Purple. And the cover that they did of When a Blind Man Cries is fucking phenomenal. I love this. I love that they did a studio version of it, because the live versions are great from the All Within My Hands acoustic sets or whatever. James just fucking sings the song so well. And when they put it in the studio, it's just magic. This is When a Blind Man Cries. Lying on the floor 
And that brings us to Hardwired to Self-Destruct. What's going to be the cut that I like from the newest offering? Well, it's the big fucking chunky one. The new sad but true. Dream no more. song there's a lot of load reload vibes on hardwired to self-destruct which in turn helps balance out like death making out just doesn't feel like a step forward to me it feels like a revisit to something else whereas hardwired to self-destruct all that they don't disrespect all that legwork that they did with load and reload and they have more of that swagger more of that groove more of that fucking sabbath <laughs> so Anyway, there it is. 13 offerings for you. I hope this isn't too long. You can jam it into your anniversary show there. But thanks again, Brandon. Enjoy the holidays. Peace out. Rye from Sabbath Bloody Podcast with his favorite Metallica songs from each album dude like i said you went above and beyond thank you so much for taking the time to put that whole package together just for the one year anniversary show of metallicast that all of you are listening to right now and it is truly greatly appreciated do yourself the favor if you're not already check out Sav blooded podcast subscribe download his stuff it is great he is going chronologically album by album in the black Sabbath catalog he has already gone through the ozzy osbourne era he's just about to start the roddy james dio era and i believe he plans on going even beyond that when things got more obscure in the 80s and 90s i'm not even familiar with those albums i've heard things here and there but not really at all familiar about anything in the black Sabbath catalog after the heaven and hell era with mr R.J.D. But now, Rye, since you gave all of us your favorite Metallica songs off each album, now I have to do my list. And this is tough because, like you said, it's going to change tomorrow. But I went album by album with my 13 tracks, just like you did. And these were all my gut reaction as I did so. So here you go. Bass soul, take one. Off the debut album, Kill Em All, I want to go with Anesthesia Pulling Teeth because I am a bass player and I have spent more time with that track than any other track on the Kill Em All album. I say that as a listener and as a musician. When I was in high school learning to play bass, having the tab books and listening to the album, just picking apart that solo. But that is the problem. It is a bass solo. Not so much a song. So if I have to choose another track besides Anesthesia Pulling Teeth, I'm going to agree with Rye. And go with The Four Horsemen. has become one of the signature tracks for the band off this album. And I think is the closest to the Metallica we would hear in the albums that follow. It is, as Rye said, the most dynamic. You have the thrash parts, the groove parts, the 
loud parts, the soft parts. It is just a great record, great track, and we should all be thankful that Dave Mustaine got fired from the band so we did not end up with lyrics about a horny gas station attendant. Ride the Lightning. Ugh, so many hard choices on this album for me. I agree with Rye. There's nothing like playing for whom the bell tools when you are a bass player. You feel like a lead player for once. But my gut reaction was to say the opening track, Fight Fire with Fire. I remember listening to that album for the first time. And when that acoustic guitar intro starts, you're like, whoa. This is not like the Metallica that came before. And then it happens. And you hear the classic thrash sound of Metallica, but different than Kill 'em All because it's tighter, it's more concise, it's more melodic. But at the same time, the song rips your face off. I love it. Then my all-time favorite album, Master Puppets Falls, and I gotta go with the title track as my favorite song of the album. I think Master Puppets is the perfect song. And I went over the when I did my track-by-track breakdown in episode 3 earlier in the year. But it just has everything you want a Metallica song. Good lyrics, guitar solos, guitar harmonies, backwards recorded guitar solos, as parts that thrash, parts that groove, that whole middle interlude gives me goosebumps every single freaking time I hear that song. That, to me, is a perfect track on a perfect album. Then we have Injustice for All, which, you know, I did in Summer for All in July and August. Every single week release a new episode about a different track on the album. This was another tough decision, but ultimately... I went with the opening track, Blackened. I love me some time signatures. For those of you who've been listening to the show, I'm sure you know that I picked apart that song in that episode, going over 7464. As a musician, as somebody who likes that type of nerd shit, I really dig that song. And plus, beyond that, it's just a song that rips. 
It's a great, great, great opening track, and I love the lyrics on it. Then we come to the Black Album, and I gotta agree with Rye. I went with My Friend of Misery. I think that was a great deep cut. It's a song I wish they played more of live. I love the bass in it, and that whole interlude, like Rye was talking about, the whole bridge section gives me chills. I love the how atmospheric it is. Just great, great songwriting. And we'll also agree with the choice on Load and Reload, my choice on load, Bleeding Me. Another song I wish they played more of live. They've played it a bunch. It was a great hit for them in the 90s. Please bring it back into the set. I'm hoping the acoustic version at the Helping Hands concert was the first step in this becoming a regular part of their shows again. Just such a great, great song. Very soulful singing by James Hetfield. Great lyrics, very personal, very... It's just a very emotional song that I've always been attracted to as a fan, as a listener. And on Reload, Fixer. I think perhaps the most underrated uh, closer on any Metallica album to date. Uh, I think it gets overlooked a lot, and it is a fantastic song. Um, on the surface, seems to be about voodoo, but you go deeper in, much more meaningful than that. I love the lyrics in the chorus, but tell me, can you heal what father's done or fix this hole in a mother's son? Can you heal the broken worlds within? Can you strip away so we may start again? Love it. And then we have Garage Inc. So many great covers. Part of me wanted to go old school, but I had to go newer school. And, you know, I covered this in a mini episode early in the year, but I married into an Irish family. I just spent a week in Ireland over Thanksgiving, and I gotta go with Whiskey in the Jar because this song just has such a regular role in my life. is a Metallica song that Mrs. Metallica always puts on and it's just something that we can enjoy and listen to together and even with their family who hate metal and hate Metallica. <laughs> then we have S&M no Leaf Clover, without a doubt, that is the best song on this album for me. Um, I love the different interpretations of certain songs like Master Puppets, like One, like The Outlaw Torn, like Bleeding Me. I love uh, Minus Human as well, but No Leaf Clover, to me, is just a classic Metallica track. It has groove, it has dynamics, it has eerily positive lyrics it leaves you feeling happy but also uneasy and i really like that juxtaposition saint anger
Oh, I feel like I've exhausted this album thanks to Richard S. He. But I gotta go with the unnamed feeling. I want to go with all within my hands, but I went with the unnamed feeling because I feel like that is the track that I've listened to the most. And it is probably the most standard, classic sounding Metallica track on that whole album. Death Magnetic went with All Nightmare Long. Um, I kind of described this album as a rehash of their old stuff, and I really like this album, but I can see where Rye's coming from in that. And if you want to view it under those lens, I think All Nightmare Long is them rehashing their old, their old selves at their best. I think it's the best written song on the album in that style. I wanted to pull out bonus songs, so I'm going to choose the Ronnie Rising medley, which I'm sure he'll be happy about as he enters the Ronnie James Dio era of Black Sabbath on his own podcast. But the Ronnie Rising medley, I love. Uh, I mean, does anybody do metal cover medleys better than Metallica? I love the Merciful Fate one on Garage and Now this, I think, is even better than that. And last but not least, Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Gotta go with the epic closer, which I've still not heard live in person. Spit out the bone. Right, I cannot thank you enough. But we gotta move on now to a few more messages left on the Metallicast hotline. Brandon, hey, uh, this is uh, Little Jimmy. Just wanna say. Congratulations on your podcast. Yeah. Been doing it for a year. Yeah. Listen, one thing though. Uh, we're going to sue you for playing our music. It's copyrighted, you bitch. Hi, Brandon. Uh, this is Lars. Um, I just uh, got the phone handed me from James. He said you'd do a podcast for us, which is great, but I haven't uh, seen anything about you uh, having the right to use our recordings. So I'm going to have our lawyer kind of give you a call, uh, but congratulations anyway on whatever this podcast is. That one sucked. Brandon. How are you? This is uh, Dave M. I don't want you to know my real identity. Dave M. Um, 
Anyway, I just want to uh, congratulate you on your first year of Metallicast. Uh, it's really great hearing you talk about a band that stole all my riffs and uh, basically climbed uh, the mountain of metal on the backs of people like me and uh, Jason Newstead. Really great. Celebrate them some more. Huh? I want you to do another fucking year of podcasting so I can hear it some more. Uh, great. God bless. Merry Christmas. That's right. I say it. Merry Christmas. Wow. Um, those were a few angry messages. Um, you know, James, Lars, please take it easy on me. I promise you. People are barely listening, and I'm not making any money, and I'm doing it as a passionate fan. And uh, as far as this Dave M goes, um, dude, grow up. But Merry Christmas, nonetheless. So we got one more thing we're going to do here on this one-year anniversary spectacular. I'm going to give you my album recommendations of metal and rock from the year 2018. This is not a year-end best-of list because I'm not really into ranking albums. These are just albums I enjoyed that I think some of you out there in the Metallicast Militia would also enjoy. And I love discovering new artists and listening to new albums. So please... If you have any suggestions for me, hit me up on social media at Metallicast Pod, of course, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And now, without further ado, here are Brandon's album recommendations of 2018. First up, we have a band that I've really enjoyed over the last few years. They came out with their debut album uh, a few years back, and in 2018, they released their follow-up called Stranger Fruit. Uh, I say band, but it's really a singular person. Uh, he goes by a band name, though, Zeal in Our Door. And basically, to understand this band, you need to understand the idea behind the project, which is African-American slaves, instead of finding God, worshipped Satan. So the end result is a mixture of old spirituals and blues mixed with black metal. Sound confusing? It works surprisingly well. Here is a sample from the Stranger Fruit album. This is a song called Ship on Fire. I come in the breath of the dead, bathing in my papa blood, bare bone and covered in red, waiting on that evening flood. And I came on a ship on fire, to the seas you call your home, climbed down from the highest spire, I disappeared with the ocean foam.
are like me and you are dying for a new System of a Down album, well, too bad because that does not seem to be coming our way anytime soon. So this past year we had to settle for Darren Malankian and the Scars on Broadway and their new album Dictator. It by no means comes close to any System of a Down album. I'm not even sure if I like it more or as much of uh, or as much as uh, the first Scars on Broadway album, but it still was a great song, a great album with some great tracks, and it helped fill that system of down void in my life. Here is the title track, Dictator. Now, I've been looking at a lot of year-end best of lists in the metal category that, you know, all these different websites and blogs and publications have come out with over the last month, and I have been very dismayed to see this album not make any list that I have seen. This is a group called Anal Nathrak, that is A-N-A-A-L-N-A-T-H-R-A-K-H, two different words. First word, A-N-A-A-L, Anal Second word, N-A-T-H-R-A-K-H, Dathrak. They have a new, album, a new album out called A New Kind of Horror, and they are one of the most brutal, rip-your-fucking-face-off bands I have ever heard. Um, I told one of my buddies, describe this album, some albums melt your face, this album fucks your face. And besides being brutal, they have hints of industrial in their music. There is really wacky vocals that I love. Everything from death metal growls to high falsetto. Here's a sample of a song off their new album called New Bethlehem Mass Death Future. This next band is very controversial to metal elitists. It is a band called Death Heaven. And they are black metal, but mixed with very atmospheric indie rock. Uh, reminds me sort of of like an emperor meets a Smashing Pumpkins meets hipster indie rock. 
It's very bizarre. It's definitely not for everybody. Extremely long compositions, most of which clock over 10 minutes. Uh, a lot of noodling and um, jamming. And like I said, not for everybody. But they are up and coming. Surprisingly, they've been uh, nominated for a Grammy Award and Best Male Performance this year. Uh, the album was called Ordinary Corrupt Human Love. And this is the Grammy-nominated song, Honeycomb. to completely switch gears for a moment i had a lot of fun with this album this past summer when it came out the night flight orchestra a throwback band uh, comprised of members from different metal bands including arch enemy and soil work uh, this is a song called this time off the album sometimes the world's in enough and you're going to hear what i mean by throwback this is like 70s 80s arena rock at its best discovered this other band from Norway, black death metal band, but mixed with folk. The name of the band, and I'm probably going to butcher some of these pronunciations, so apologies ahead of time. The band is called Para, P-A-A-R-A. The name of the album is Riti, R-I-I-T-I. And I'm going to play you a sample of their song. Suon Saidan, S-U-O-N. Second word, S-Y-D-A-N. Like I said, I'm probably mispronouncing all this, but I'm doing the best that I can. This is uh, another kind of oddball album, not for everybody. 42 minutes long, only four tracks. The shortest song in the album is like 10 minutes long. 
it is uh, a pretty diverse album nonetheless you know you have the black metal blast beats with the black metal death metal vocals over it and then super melodic folksy uh, singing with clean vocals over it both male and female voices here's just a small sample of the album Although I'm not ranking these albums, I have no problem saying this is my favorite album of 2018. Here is the hit single, Dance Macabre, from the great, great album, Prequel, by, I think, the best rock band to come out in the 2000s, Ghost. And before we wrap up our one-year anniversary spectacular, I have two more messages I want to get to. The first one is from Andy in Australia. He was one of the few fans I was trying to schedule an interview with, but because of our busy schedules, the time differences just don't work out. But he was kind enough to leave a message. Here is Andy. G'day, Metallicast. It's Andy here from North Queensland in Australia. Uh... I got asked just to share, I guess, a Metallica story for the big one-year anniversary, which congrats to you. Um, I had to think about it. I've been a fan since, I guess, a lot of people uh, that enter the Sandman video. I would have been about 10 years old when I first saw that. So I've been a fan about 25 years. I've been lucky enough to have seen the boys in action uh, 10 times. Uh, first saw them in 98, so it spans over 20 years. Uh, obviously, it's hard to pinpoint down your favourite moment or anything like that but I'm going to say seeing them live at that moment in the pit that when they're playing you know they're playing one of your jams and you're singing from the bottom of your lungs and it just you know it's it's pretty much the happiest I can be is you know seeing seeing music I love performed well live and when you're you're in that moment and you look over and you see someone next to you and you never met that person in your life. You're never going to meet that person again after that moment. But you link eyes and you're singing word for word and you're, you're raising your fists and your devil horns or whatever you you do. And you share that moment and, and they get it, you know. And that's that's the beauty of music. That's the beauty of Metallica. 
that's that's what I love about Metallica. That's what I love about music. So, yeah, happy first year anniversary to you, Metallicast. Rock on. And last but certainly not least, a man who has now appeared on the show three times. The man who loves St. Anger more than anybody in the entire world. Mr. Richard S. He. Hello to Brandon and the rest of the Metallicast militia. Just wanted to say a hearty congratulations to my favorite Metallica podcast on their one year anniversary. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on it. I've had a blast listening to each and every show. Now, if 2018, the first anniversary, marks the start of Metallicast's Ride the Lightning era, that means in 2037, fingers crossed, it'll be Metallicast's Saint Anger anniversary. I hope we're all around for that occasion. Happy holidays, stay metal. I want to thank everybody who has made the first year of Metallicast a huge success. Like I said at the top of the episode, this has grown into something I did not think it was going to grow into. And I'm hoping in year two, it continues to grow to become bigger and better. Um, I definitely have areas to improve in. And I say that even as a podcast professional. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you had the merriest of Christmases or whatever you celebrate. If you celebrate nothing, I hope you had a good, relaxing day. Happy New Year. Email the show, metallicastatfansonexperts.com. Call the show. Call the hotline, 203-548-0609. Be a part of a future episode in 2019. And of course... Follow us on social media at MetallicastPod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would be a huge help if you could subscribe, download, and leave a positive review on iTunes. Get those five-star reviews in. Leave a friendly comment. It would help the show grow and will help me become bigger. Maybe not better, but bigger. And as we always do here, I want to end with a cover song. We had some fun at the expense of Chad Kroger of Nickelback, but here is Nickelback, believe it or not, with a live version of the Metallica classic, Sad But True. And I gotta admit, it's not too shabby. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, metal up your ass. Yeah!
Fabnod experts.